Welcome to GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at the University of Western Ontario. Coming to you from the other London, let's start the show. Hello and welcome to GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students here at Western. Today we have with us interviewing is Emma. Hello. And me, Susan. And we are talking to Shakar Kumpanpati. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Great. Well, we're doing great. So we're looking forward to talking to you a bit about your research and uh, knowing a little more about carbon and nitrogen metabolism and the genes related to that, I guess. So that's kind of what I I got from your um, abstract. So tell me, what is your project about? Well, um, it's a little bit complicated, but I will simplify it for for how it sounds for... uh, if someone, a non-biologist, would take a look at my project, then this is how it goes. So um, it's really trying to understand how the interrelationships between carbon metabolism and the nitrogen metabolism happen. So when I say carbon metabolism, um, all it is is the photosynthesis and photorespiration that's happening, which starts with uh, carbon dioxide from the air and and its synthesis of uh, and the synthesis of um, glucose or essential sugars, right? And, um, and the, on the other hand, we have nitrogen metabolism, which is taken up as nitrate from the, uh, by the plants from the roots, right? Um, from the soil. And um, this nitrogen being con- converted into um, the usable form for the plants like amino acids and then its incorporation to proteins. So, um, so simply what it is is that the relationship between these two processes, processes and why it is important for, um, for plants to maintain a balance between how these two processes operate within the plant for sustainable growth. Okay, so if I got this right, uh, you're saying that plants have almost like two different types of metabolism in a way. You have the kind that we Absolutely, know about. Yes. We all know plants take in carbon dioxide and sunlight right. and produce sugars and then some people may not know this, but then they use the sugars to get en- to make energy. So they use their own absolutely to make yes, energy. yes. But on the other hand, they mm-hmm. use nitrogen to make proteins. Right. So how are these two processes related? Um, it's really simple. Just as we are, if we are trying to maintain a balanced diet, we we eat appropriate portions of carbon and nitrogen in the form pro- in the form of protein uptake and sugar uptake or carbohydrate uptake, right? So we, we maintain the balance between those two so that we are healthy. Um, in the same way, even if the plants have to grow, um, it, because they're autotrophic, which means they produce their own carbon and they utilize the nitrogen from the soil and synthesize the proteins that are, that are essential for incorporation into um, other metabolic processes. So it's kind of like um, um, eating food using uh, with a balanced car- carbohydrate and protein intake. That's basically what it is. So um, although it's, there's, there's a lot more to it when you, think, uh, when you think about how these processes are connected to each other so that the plant can sustain its growth, um, essentially the same way as humans, how, why, why do we need to take this amount of protein and this amount of carbohydrate for us to be healthy? Right. So as long as as long as we have a balance between uh, balance between those two in the same way for the plants, as long as there's a balance, 
um, there's a better growth. Okay, so I, because we kind of control what goes into our bodies and plants don't, do, do they have much control? Can they? Absolutely, control? they do. So depending on what kind of nitrogen is available within the, within the soil, for in, in terms of protein, if we talk about protein, uh, depending on what, ter- what kind of nitrogen is available within the soil, um, they control how much they take in. So oh. um, the, the easiest forms of nitrogen sources that a plant can take in are nitrate and ammonium. And um, that's why they're always in plant fertilizer. Right. Uh, absolutely. Yes. And um, and and if they t- they mostly prefer um, nitrate, but if they take in most of ammonium, then it's going to be toxic for the plant. And inside the plant, there's an ammonium buildup and toxicity and death and so on and so forth. Um, oh, hey, that's what's happening to my house plants. <laughs> I think you just could need be, to water could be. your plants, Susan. Oh, yeah. I guess well, I have to be home. Yeah. Okay, so you're looking at the the balance between these two processes right. in a plant. So how does, I'm, like, I'm not a biologist at right. all, um, like many of our viewers aren't, I'm sure. So how do you go about studying this in a plant? Um, uh, a, a simple a simple way to do it would be, um, traditionally physiologists, the, the way they would do it is they would measure the amount of nitrogen that's in the plant after um, a certain time period that the nitrogen is being supplied to the plant, and also the amount of photosynthesis being, uh, being performed by the plant, and then measure the amount of carbon within the plant. So this, these are the easiest things that you can do, and you can also measure ammonium. And there are so many, as you go along, there are fancier and fancier equipment that you can use to measure the smallest of the smallest metabolites that you can, um, including, I mean, ammonium or, or nitrate are not that big either, but uh, um, there are, there's so much sophistication involved these days to be able to measure anything and everything that you want to within a plant. So uh, by measuring the amount um, of both carbon sources and the nitrogen sources and the sinks, and um, I will explain a little bit more about um, what I'm talking about in, in, in a couple of minutes, but um, sink as in, as in where this carbon or nitrogen um, compounds are deposited. So if nitrogen is being taken up by the plant in the roots, um, you can pretty much measure any part of the plant for the amount of nitrogen present, and you can determine what's the strongest sink, sink as in where it's deposited um, within the plant part. And you can do the same with carbon as well. So these are the simplest things that uh, traditionally people used to do. But, um, but there is so much genetics involved in it as well. Now, as we get into genetics um, of these, there are so many genes that control um, each of these processes, uh, the metabolic processes that are happening within these. And, um, and that's another way to measure um, which process is dominating or, or whether there's going to be a balance or um, how this balance is being maintained. So you can measure the expression of each and every individual genes that are involved in performing these metabolic processes. So that's where you, you study genetics. I was wondering, what are the genetics behind it? What are you interested in? Um, so there's... Um, I guess so, what's your project? <laughs> yeah, um, so most of this... Um, and nitrogen metabolism. Now, there's a lot of a lot of resources out there that would that would tell us how uh, carbon is metabolized within the plant and how it's distributed um, in, into different parts. Um, and there's also a lot of information about, available for nitrogen. But um, what it was thought so far is that most of this nitrogen is synthesized into amino acids 
um, which are the building blocks of proteins. So if, if you want more and more protein, then you have uh, more and more amino acids being synthesized and being incorporated within the protein so that um, these proteins can function in all the metabolic process that we were talking about. Um, so yeah, um, if, if one or, or a set of amino acids have to, be, um, have to be formed, the first step that has to happen is to convert this nitrate or ammonium that's taken up by the plant from the roots into these amino acids. And most of this, uh, uh, this process was, was thought to be um, done by a cycle called GS-GOGAT cycle. So this is a, this is a slightly new cycle uh, compared to what we know um, as a TCA cycle, or these are basic biology cycles that that are involved within the For people in biology. They're basic, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, TCA cycle is part of respiration, um, and uh, and for for nitrogen metabolism, um, GS GoGet cycle is one of the fundamental things. So a GS GoGet cycle, what it does is it converts. Um, Ammonium, so nitrate that's taken up by the plant is converted into ammonium, and this ammonium is converted by the GS-GOGAT cycle into um, an organic acid. So organic acids are the carbon sources. So if you want to maintain a balance between carbon and nitrogen, this conversion between um, uh, the ammonium and the organic acids is the major checkpoint. So if there is more of carbon source available, then carbon is being converted into nitrogen source to maintain the balance at this checkpoint, this, which is the GS-GOGAT cycle. Oh, so it's like uh, a, it's a point, like you said, a checkpoint, it's like a feedback. So it, exactly. So, yeah, so um, the plant senses the amount of carbon and nitrogen that's present within it, and and based on the level, and also based on the photo period, which, which means whether it's dark or morning or evening or or um, that sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, based on, based on that, it will adjust um, this checkpoint so that one or the other required compound is produced um, and one or the other being carbon or nitrogen source. And this is the first, um, um, the first route for the nitrogen uh, metabolism, right? So as nitrate is being taken up and converted into ammonium, this ammonium is converted into, um, into an organic acid and amino acid at this point. And um, traditionally, this is what uh, was thought to happen. And what my research is, is that um, I'm trying to propose that there is another route which is as important, well, considering what this checkpoint does, um, you can tell how important it is for a plant to maintain the balance, right? Um, so what I'm trying to say is that there will be, um, there is potentially another source uh, which is maintained by a gene called glutamine amidotransferase, and uh, it performs a pretty much similar function and functions as another checkpoint where um, the carbon-nitrogen balance can be um, brought back if there is a disturbance in the balance. So what is, you say that it's really important to have a balance. Do you know what happens if they have too much of one or the other? Yeah, um, there, there, are, there are so many, uh, so many studies out there that are talking about these are also um, studies that have been done, that have, that have been done since the uh, 1980s and 1990s. And, and if there is too much sugar that is available for the carbon or if there's too much light and they're photosynthesizing too much, um, there's obviously higher accumulation of carbon sources and, and the balance is disturbing. You will see the leaves that are t turning into um, white color. They're, um, they're, they're photosystems, the essential 
uh, parts of the plant that are performing these photosynthesis reactions are, are, are depleting. They're, they're just dying off, basically. And uh, even if there is excess nitrogen, you would see that um, you would see that you would see a difference in the root and, and shoot growth. So you can actually see a physical difference. Absolutely, like and that's one. that's oh. one of the uh, one of the most important things that we consider as a gene or a specific um, event, environmental um, effect that's influencing the growth of a plant. Um, you can tell by looking at its phenotype, and phenotype mm. is the way it grows, right? So if you compare um, a, a wild type plant, as in the plant that's growing in in normal conditions that we would say a plant can grow. Um, if you compare that to any mutant or, or an altered gene, um, a plant which has an altered gene of, of the basic fundamental process or, or a plant that's growing in, in a different environmental condition as opposed to the normal, um, you can tell whether the plant's reacting in a different way by looking at, its, at, at how it's growing, what the difference is. So I'm, I'm guessing this has some agriculture applications. Um, yeah. Well, also, it should be said that you do work out at Agriculture Canada. What's the what's the full title for that? Um, it's AAFC Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. Well, great, because uh, we have a lot of grad students. I don't know if people out there know this, but we have quite a lot of biology grad students who work sort of off campus, as it were, and yeah. all their labs and things are out at what we call AgCan. It's, yes, it's about yes. eight kilometers away. It's uh, yeah, a about between distance. eight to ten. Yeah. It's a decent distance, um, but they're full 100% grad students here, not yeah. physically on campus all the time. Right. And could you tell us just a little bit about that facility? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and and I want to begin by saying I feel incredibly lucky to be working at uh, at Agriculture Agriculture Canada or Ag Can as we call it. Um, <laughs> Because one of the things is that there there is a, there's a lot of um, scientific expertise that comes with the facility. There's there's a lot of lot of PIs, um, there, principal investigators, scientists there who are um, who are fantastic and they're they're ready to help every moment, every step of the way that you're you're trying to um, through your research process and and the equipment, the amount of resources that are there. Um, and we have top-of-the-line technology um, in, in quantification of the said metabolites that we were talking about earlier. Um, and, and also, uh, that, that's part of the metabolomics unit, and we also have a, have a genomics and um, biotechnology, genomics and biotechnology unit, which also has um, anything starting from the PCR machines to sequencers um, and like, next like generation sequencers. sequencers. Absolutely, Ooh. yeah. We have uh, next generation sequencers and, and everything that's required for um, for basic to top of the line research. Gradcast was not in any way compensated for this advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great because well, it's a good chance for people to know that there's yeah. There are other facilities, there are people working out there, and they may not be right. here on campus 100% of the time, but they're, they're us. Yeah, completely dedicated, dedicated to uh, agriculture. 
<laughs> so, so now that we're on the uh, the kind of the macro level here, um, I know the dreaded question for every graduate student is, uh, so why does your research matter? But so what are, what are the, the like the bigger scope agricultural consequences of what you're doing? Now, um, it, this is absolutely um, is pure science based research, and um, and at the moment, it's it's hard to say what the applications would be in long term. But but um, some of the things that I could say is that um, is that the 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 basic checkpoint that I was talking about earlier. So if if what I'm doing does show um, whether or not this is an actual um, um, important function in the nitrogen metabolism uh, process, maintaining the balance between carbon and nitrogen, then um, then I would say that the way we think about um, how this balance is maintained would completely alter, right? And and another thing is that. Um, um, it's a funny thing. Human, um, we we normally have a uh, have a gene called glutaminase, which sort of functions in the same way as this proposed gene, right? And uh, what it does is it um, helps cancer cells survive. So um, one of the other applications is that if we if we do understand a lot more about um, this gene in the plants, maybe there's. Um, we can see a potential link between how um, a human gene that's, that's, that helps a cancer cell survive can be potentially controlled. Um, now, there is a lot of research being done in that area, too, at this moment. And, um, and there are a lot of inhibitors that are being used in cancer therapy to be, uh, to be able to reduce the expression of this particular um, gene and reduce um, the survival of cancer cells. And... Um, and yeah, uh, in the long run, if we do understand the complete process, because at the moment it's just uh, it's just a hypothesis, and uh, and we have no real evidence showing that it is actually doing this. Mm-hmm. So, um, so if we if we are able to understand um, how this process works, and it actually does work within the plants, then we can uh, we can maybe apply it to the other. Res- we can find genes that are similar within um, other animals or humans, even, and then. Um, see if there's a way to control them either well, them uh, as well that's pretty fascinating I never thought plants could cure cancer one day but <laughs> yeah <laughs> today I learned well I think that that's neat you show the the conservation of that gene in so you say it's the same yeah 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 similar? based on the yeah the when when we say that they're similar it's uh, it's based on the conservation so how conserved these two genes are and uh, based on the function that these two genes do and this glutaminase gene that I was talking about in human um, we don't have those glutaminases in uh, in plants and the closest that there is is this glutamine emitter transferase the gene that I'm working with and this gene could potentially perform the same function as this glutaminase gene and uh, and yeah if you understand more about it maybe we can apply it to so I know I know like the human genetics isn't necessarily your field of expertise, but now that we've brought it up, I'm kind of interested in understanding this a little more. Why do we have a gene that lets cancer cells survive in the first place? Well, um, well, it's not that they want to. So one of the things that cancer cells do is that it require is uh, is excessive glutamine. So as I was mentioning, that protein is uh, is really important and for for anything to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, when the amino acids are starting to build up, uh, the first amino acid that's produced is glutamine, and these amino acids have to be recruited, right? So it's an energy source, and um, if 
cancer cells are rapidly dividing cells. So they need a lot of energy. And all this comes from glutamine. And what these glutaminases do is they break down glutamine and supply the energy to um, the cancer cells, and they rapidly grow. Oh, so in our, in, again, I know you're not a human biologist. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> in non-cancer cells, this gene is still being used. It's yeah, it, it is. process is still being used in non-cancer cells, right? Well, yes, yes. Um, but there is, um, well, within within our body, there is, or plant, with, within the organism itself, there is uh, there's a lot of control as to what genes are, um, are supposed to express where, mm-hmm. and and what genes are not needed, and which ones have to be turned off or turned down, um, and this glutaminase is one of those things where where it needs to be turned down um, in in a normal healthy human being, and and yes, so it is uh, expressing at a lower level, but when we are starving or when we need more protein. Um, to be synthesized, then um, this is one of the things that provides that energy. Okay. Yeah, so and it's an essential one it, it, for us and the plants. Um, well, I don't want to say that I know a lot about it, but <laughs> <laughs> disclaimer. Yeah, um, but um, I do know that the glutaminase functions a lot in kidneys, in the uh, nitrogen metabolism or urea metabolism, you know, and and all that. So it has a major role in that area for sure how about that <laughs> plants plants will give us a key into uh, yeah possibly give us a key into what's going well on or in this case plant. mostly um i want to say that humans are giving us more uh, <laughs> information about how this functions in plants okay uh, humans thank you so much for the help with, with the arabidopsis yeah i'm sorry with the what now <laughs> Well, um, (laughs) (laughs) all right. So, uh, yeah, now that you bring it up, um, I feel like I do need to explain for non-scientific people that um, I work with Arabidopsis. So Arabidopsis is a plant um, that we use as a model for all the other crops like soybean or... um, the, fr- the fruit flyer lab rat of the plant world. Exactly. Does it That's have a non? Is this the scientific name? Does it have like a visually recognizable? Ragweed. Ragweed is what. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. So the thing yeah. that gives me horrible allergies <laughs> all year round. Well, Very nice. To, if it makes you feel any better, it's it's in many people's labs and they chop it up all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Stick it to the ragweed. Well. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for teaching us. And I learned a lot about uh, genes and metabolism in plants. Um, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's my I pleasure. Love, uh, I love stepping outside my field. <laughs> so I got to say that uh, we're speaking with Shrikhar Kambamparty. Uh, he's in Frederick Mar- Marsolis' lab, uh, working out in AgCan and teaching us a lot about Arabidopsis and human cancer. So this has been GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. That's all we got for this week. If you like this episode, share it with someone. Check us all out on Twitter and Facebook. Both you can find through GradCast Radio. You can go to our website to see more episodes at gradcastradio.ca. And if you want to come on the show and talk about your own research, great line for your CV, go to gradcastradio at gmail.com. The theme is Happy Boy by Kevin McLeod, and we will see you guys next time. There we go. Hello, and welcome to GradCast, the official radio... Oh my god, why can't they do this? <laughs> I don't know, I just haven't like...
I just have it at like muscle memory. But I know. The official podcast of the Society of Graduate That's Students. That's it. <laughs> All right, gonna start again. Now <clears throat> go to the bloopers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Every, now Susan just can't do intros. That's her thing. <laughs> practice. I gotta practice.